SoCast Life, the show where we read our real-life diaries while revisiting that diary of our souls, my so-called life. Uh, my name is Kat. My name is Matt Brown. And today, we're going to be looking at the 14th episode of the series, which is called On the Wagon and uh, concerns uh, Ray Ann Graff. So get on the wagon with us. So get on the wagon with us. Let's have a look at On the Wagon. <laughs> You know, oh boy. that was great. Thank you very much for that. If you haven't listened to my SoCast Life before, uh, on this program, as Kat alluded in the opening, we, first of all, obviously we do an extensive look at an episode of My So-Called Life. We also, at the end of it, try to tie it into where we were in our real lives by looking at our diaries from the year that the episode aired. Um, before we dive into the show, though, I want to uh, give a couple shout-outs. The first is to... Soraya Roberts, whose book, um, In My Humble Opinion, from ECW Press, has finally emerged into the real world. It's a collection of essays about my so-called life, which I consumed uh, voraciously about a week and a half ago, like just cover to cover. It's not, you know, it's like a couple, about 110 pages, so it's a very nice afternoon read and revisit of the show that we have just been coincidentally revisiting, revisiting. so it's just been a, a lot of fun to, to kind of get at her insights. I have my copy right here on the coffee table, and I have not read it yet, because I have this baby who takes up yeah, a lot of time, baby. but uh, <laughs> yep. I'm looking forward to reading it in the next... Uh, couple of weeks yeah it's pretty good and the other shout out i wanted to give was to one of our followers on twitter carl wilson who after uh the episode called other people's mothers mm -hmm. which is the one where rayanne od'd which is obviously very important to what we're going to be talking about today yes uh he pointed out that there is a pretty strong class bias class privilege aspect to the way uh, the show presents the whole Patty versus Amber, Angela versus Rayanne thing that I don't think that I really was thinking about until Carl pointed that out. And then I kind of felt bad for the fact that, like, to a degree, uh, I think the way he's put it was in that episode, the show kind of sets Amber up to fail. Like, he's, we, we complained a lot about how horrible Amber was in that episode and in other episodes, and we may do it again in this episode. But, you know, that show very clearly sets that moment up for Patty to come in and be the hero because she is the, quote, normal, white, middle-class American mother, and Amber is obviously something else. She represents a kind of a different strata. So true. Yeah. So true, and I think that that comes into play big time in yeah. this episode. So Very much very, so. Very uh, timely shout-out. Shout Indeed. So good to, to tee it up uh, there. So uh, last week, I think we spoke about the fact that Rayanne's utility in Angela's life felt like it was beginning to wane, like Sharon went to Angela. I mean, no, Angela went to Sharon <laughs> for advice about sex, for example, yeah. whereas even maybe five episodes earlier, she almost certainly would have just gone to Rayanne and Ricky. Exactly. So, you know, this is the episode that I guess begins to deal with the outcome of that. This is also, I think, the episode that would be a Rayanne voiceover episode if we'd ever gotten a Rayanne voice epi voiceover episode. Yeah, and it's kind of an interesting... Thing that they chose not to yeah i mean we got the brian episode it's not like every character got their voiceover episode you know so it's not like Rand's the only one who doesn't yeah get hers but it's kind of it's a curious choice nonetheless like yeah. that they chose to single brian out and do that but that they chose to spotlight other characters in their own episodes in this way without mm -hmm. doing that is kind of yeah, I, I wonder. I often wonder about why. Yeah, and I will not name check Soraya's book every time that there's an overlap, but she does <laughs> point out that, you know, Brian and Danielle, who are the only other two characters who get voiceover episodes, they are arguably the closest 
to Angela in one way or another, and that maybe that's why they True. do it. I think there's a very good case to be made, whether or not they're close, that Rayanne probably does not have an interior monologue that, you know, like, is the, I think her interior monologue would be chaotic in a way that probably wouldn't, you know, it might not work. Might not work uh, Although, to support like a, an episode. A, a Ricky internal monologue yep. episode would have been wonderful. would have been wonderful, and you got to assume that they would have got there eventually yeah. if the show had had gone on. True, but yeah. The other uh, nice fit, tidbit about this episode is that it's directed by Mr. Katimsky. So they brought Aww. yeah Jeff Perry in to be Mr. Katimsky, and then immediately he started directing shows that he was not even in. So good for him. Uh, he became a key player in the back half of my so-called life. So Rayanne, we start the episode and Rayanne has achieved 33 days, which I don't actually know if that's a real thing in real AA, if like your 33rd day is considered important, significant. I always thought like one, I thought you got like a chip on your one month or your three months or something like that. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I didn't know about the 33 days thing. And is 33 days a thing otherwise? Like, is there something that is 33 days long that is significant? I can't think of anything that is 33 days long and significant. I know that 33 years, you got Jesus. Sure, but sure. I was thinking that as well. <laughs> that's but about it. It's uh, yeah. probably not what, uh, although, probably not. I don't know, Who it knows? is kind of religious, right? It's yeah, yeah, you do surrender yourself to a higher power, I think is what they say now. I think back in the day it was God. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, so the episode opens with Rayanne attending her final counseling session with Miss Krasinowski, who is, of course, played by my so-called life uh, creator and goddess, uh, Winnie Holtzman. Love her. Yeah, she's wonderful. Love her. And... And Rayanne is, it's really hard to parse what Rayanne is saying. I think we've talked about this in the past because it's hard to tell when she's skipping back and forth. For, she actually does it several times in this episode from character, the character, the tough ass Rayanne that she plays, the Rayanne who kind of blurts out the truth about herself kind of without even meaning to, and, um, you know, several other kind of layers of personality that she's always hiding behind so it's hard to sort of say it's hard to get a beat on what is actually going on with her yeah like, for sure like Ms. krasinowski seems worried about her here and and rightly so i would say but she's just talking about how she thinks she's orally fixated and that it's because her mom didn't breastfeed her like but claimed to breastfeed her but ran suspects but lied about but yeah, but, but lied about Breastfeeding. Pretty her. sure that's not how oral fixation yeah. happens, but that's okay. Yeah, I believe me. Hey. I don't know. <laughs> you do notice in this episode, and I, I mean, I didn't go back to check others, but you do notice that Rianne is is definitely orally fixated in this episode. Like she's sucking on something, chewing on something, literally shot by shot through the whole thing. I feel like that is a thing. That's in a Rayanne other thing. episodes as yeah. well. I can't. Don't quote me. I mean, whatever. Hey, it's... my so-called life fact checkers. <laughs> you know, get out there. My so-called listeners, as we call oh. our, our large and varying fan base, um, please get in there and, and fact check us. Um, and then meanwhile, there's this other thing where, so yes, Rayanne feels that she's been distant from Angela. And then we cut to Angela, who last episode, you know, broke up with Jordan and it was all very upset. But Jordan and Angela are now friends. Con- friends I mean, they're, I mean, aside from the fact that they probably don't make out anymore, and maybe they do, but they doesn't seem to actually have changed their relationship at all. He still drives her to school. He still opens her locker for her. He still actually complains to her about his problems, which is, you know, night and day. Uh, or as Patty would say, it's a soap opera compared to what we would have seen, you know, two or three weeks ago from him. They're, they're close now. Yeah, they actually have, like, a 
real relationship now. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, it's weird that they got here. It's weird that mm, breaking up, not breaking up kind of didn't divert them away from that. And it's weird that now Jordan is okay with publicly having this obviously significant friendship with this weird girl. With Angela Chase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because that weird girl, yeah, <laughs> he, because he is now like obviously close to her. In, yeah, you know, maybe not in a romantic way, but they are obviously close friends. He talks to her about his problems. He drives her to school. Like all of these things are like, yeah. things that you do with your best friends in high school. But it's weird that he would be now suddenly totally cool with yeah being like BFFs with Angela. Yeah, and there's a weird purity to it like i could certainly see a thing where jordan keeps angela around like narcissistically you know like sure she's so obviously infatuated with him still that it just feels good for jordan to have her around but that doesn't actually seem to be the case like he just he doesn't seem to be thinking like that at all you know he's he's obviously still very obsessed with himself and is really upset about this whole frozen embryos tino situation at the beginning of the episode. The fact that they've used Tino's absence now as like the fulcrum of an episode plot. Pretty funny. Very good. I, yeah. I do appreciate that about them. Um, so, and, and Rayanne is, is uh, trying to basically insinuate herself now into this relationship, which is funny because every time she shows up, Jordan's like, no. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and she's doing it on her mom's advice. Yeah. On her mom's totally weird advice, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting, this is a sad episode. It is, it is. <laughs> this and is a it, sad episode and it starts right away being sad from the moment where they make plans to hang out and then Angela doesn't show up and Rayanne is just but, like alone in with Angela's family in yeah. the house yeah. and seeing them be like a cute family. And even Danielle gets to, you know, want to taste the chocolate sauce and be kind of adorable and like she gets to see this happy home life that she idealizes and then isn't a part of isn't a part of and then she leaves because her friend actually blew her off yeah (laughs) um and then her mom's advice on how to deal with it is that she should just hang out with angela and jordan which sort of makes sense like that's not the world's worst advice yeah you know under normal circumstances if your friend suddenly has a girlfriend or boyfriend and you feel a little bit left out getting to know their new partner and hanging out with them together is like not a crazy thing to do. Mm -hmm. But in this context, it doesn't, it neither makes sense really, nor does it work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And for me, a lot of these episodes now that we're deeper into the show, just start to be about the way that the limits of who these people are is beginning to work against them. Right. Like for a long time, the limits of who they were was actually kind of the reason everybody worked so well together. But now it's like the fact that Rayanne, I mean, Rayanne has actual very obvious serious problems in this episode, which she has no ability to even articulate, let alone deal with. And then, you know, her inability to kind of take the relation, take Angela seriously on some level with respect to Jordan kind of cuts against her ability to be part of this as well. Jordan's total lack of a single functioning brain molecule means that he can't really understand any of the pieces that are going on. Angela's obsessed with, still obsessed with Jordan, even after, you know, what you would think would be a fairly self revelatory moment last week about, you know, 
breaking up that relationship. Although I guess, you know, it's, it was one of those things where they basically broke up because there was no way she could see going forward the way he wanted to, but it wasn't like she didn't want to just still be his girlfriend. So anyway, like all of these aspects of their personalities are starting to pull everyone apart and distance them from one another. And it, you're right. This is a very sad episode. And the weirdest thing about it, I guess for me is that it doesn't actually feel that sad going through it. You have to think about it later, like how sad it actually is. Yeah. You know, like it's, I really like Patty or traditionally I have liked Patty in this episode a lot. Like I like how genuine Patty is with Rayanne, like having interceded uh, to save Rayanne's life, Patty feels a sense of responsibility to that, but in a, in a very warm way where like now she's genuinely concerned. I mean, she blows it at various points, like with her, <laughs> like when she, when Rayanne does leave the kitchen and Patty's like, you know, that girl never thanked me for saving her life. I'm like, really, really, really Patty. Is that what you're, that's what you need. You need to be thanked <laughs> for that. Like, ugh, yeah. that's just awful. But everything else about that and the fact that, you know, even though she, behaves incorrectly and interprets some of the cues incorrectly. Patty is right that, and is the only person in the episode to see it, that Rayanne needs fucking help. Yeah, and that she is still in trouble, even yeah. though she's been sober for 33 days and blah, 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 Yeah, that she is actually in danger. Yeah, uh, And it's really touching that even though Patty still deep down doesn't think that this is the right friend for her daughter, is like actually cares about her now. Yeah. You know, and, and feels a real Yeah. And you feel like in helping her and making sure that she's okay in a in a way that is very motherly and and nice. Yeah. And like transcends the fact that she doesn't necessarily approve of her as a playmate. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you feel like it if they could just if they were just slightly different people, like even five percent different from who they are this would be the episode where patty and rayanne would actually form a real relationship not a you're my friend daughter's friend relationship like they're really close to connecting yeah and almost get there yeah they almost get there and yeah. it and it would be actually something that both of them kind of need yeah i think it would I be mean, good for both of them totally yeah. like obviously rayanne needs role models and supervision and people in her life who are going to look out for her and take care of her. Um, but Patty totally needs to take care of someone and she totally needs the kind of teenager who will blurt out things about her life and be open and all of these things that Rayanne kind of naturally is without thinking about it that Angela completely is not. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we get this horrible transition and again, you know, kind of thinking of what was what Carl said on Twitter, it, it is obviously there's a bit of a class aspect to it like for we sure. see we see the rayanne burping for example and not saying excuse me and then danielle just being like not even offended just sort of like do you, are you this stupid like you don't know that you're supposed to yeah, be polite to, yeah exactly. you know like and of course she doesn't know that because how would she know that she was just raised in completely different circumstances and she does not have that yeah nobody facility in fact nobody taught her that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly uh yeah and and it's interesting yeah thinking thinking about specifically that class issue uh in the way that Amber is represented in this episode, like she's more than just set up to fail. She's actually like, she's really like the show really casts her in such a negative light. Like she really seems so irresponsible yeah. and like such a bad mom that you don't, you don't really, you can 
tell by thinking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> that circumstances in her life you know, were such that she has ended up being this kind of mother and whatever. And like, you can have sympathy for Amber. Certainly it's possible, but the show really sets her up as an irresponsible flake who doesn't care about her daughter enough to actually do what she needs and parent her. Uh, And so she just seems like this bad mom period, as opposed to like probably a teenage mom, probably a, you know, a single mom, like all of these things that are incredibly difficult that are like really, uh, that we should feel sympathetic about and that are sad Mm -hmm. as well. But instead she's just like shitty. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I've got my own biases here as well. Like, you know, we go, we, we know that, that Rayanne is sober and we go and watch, you know, her mother pour it. Like, literally, we cut to Amber making a margarita yeah. and drinking it. And it's like, you know, that's awful. But obviously, you know, much like no one ever taught Rayanne not to burp. <laughs> yeah. No one ever taught. Apparently, no one's had the conversation with Amber. I mean, Rayanne's getting canceled out of school, for God's sake. You know, no one's told Amber, oh, yeah, you've got a recovering alcoholic in the house. You can't have booze in the house. Yeah. Like that's kind that's of rule probably. number one for being within the support system of a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. You do away with the booze for a little while. Yeah. It doesn't mean never, but it means you don't have make a margarita at four o'clock and, and drink it with your daughter. That's dumb. Yeah. You know, but again, I, I, I think we're, we should intuit that Amber would simply never, she wouldn't know that she's never been given that information. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Amber, like, looking at her now through my present-day lens as opposed to when I was a teenager and watching the show, Amber, to me, seems like a really good example of a person who was probably not well-equipped to be a parent when she became a parent Mm -hmm. and was never given any of the tools and kind of got along as best she could Mm -hmm. and has managed to make it so far. And, you know, they're both alive (laughs) yeah you know she hasn't totally failed but um but she's just never been given any kind of help or support right to actually get any better at it and probably feels like she got a raw deal for a number of reasons and probably also feels like she lost a big chunk of her life to parenting in a way that makes her less responsible which is why I think she's chosen to sort of identify Rayanne as her teen girlfriend, and she's still a teen girl. We're teen girls who live. I mean, it's like a, a horrible Gilmore Girls uh, prequel, you know, where, where the reality of it being like, yeah, you know what? If you don't actually set that age boundary between yourself and, and your child, it's got a lot of downstream implications that could be bad. Yeah, and if you don't see yourself as the mature authority figure who is in charge of the situation in a specific kind of way, then yeah, it can devolve into this sort of like dysfunctional buddies uh, relationship that doesn't actually work and is terrible for the actual child. Um, But yeah, like uh, Amber just doesn't, she doesn't have the toolkit. Right. She was never given it. She, how is she like, she really is set up to fail by life. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Not just by the show, but in fact, by her circumstances, um, And it's like one of the scenes that I found really sad was in fact, when, uh, when the two of them are together and, and Rayanne's like, I'm hungry. Why is it always a surprise that I want to have dinner? And she's like, okay, what's really wrong? Yeah. Which (laughs) um, if 
Like, which is like, she's right. There is something else actually bothering her daughter. She is perceptive enough to realize that something else is going on. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's done in this way that makes it seem like, oh, the fact that I've never made you dinner is not really a problem. Right. <laughs> Something else is bothering you because this is just our, our life. You, you couldn't possibly actually be complaining about being hungry for dinner. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, which is like a, just another layer of sadness. Yeah, I know. It's like she glosses over, like, because she's right that that's not actually the problem. But then she glosses over the fact that that's actually still a problem. Yeah, like it's that, that there's a problem. No food and, <laughs> and, and you're eating Chinese takeout from several days. Like I, I saw that butterfly f- shrimp come out, and I was like, "Don't eat that! Don't eat that! That's <laughs> Probably a, not safe not anymore. Not good. Don't do that." Um, so in the next, so the next scene is the one where Rayanne just jumps into Jordan's car while Angela's there, and he's still griping about frozen embryos. And she, we see some of that defensive performative behavior where she says that she, you know, she got over the the, the jilting the night before by getting drunk, which is obviously not true, but mm-hmm. you know, it's I think it's one of her ways of. Uh, hurting the people around her to remind them that she is still in serious trouble and they're still not picking up on it. Right. This is also the scene where I start to wonder if Rayanne is uh, suffering from a mood disorder, like whether she might be bipolar or something like that. Because as soon as she jumps onto this idea of being the new lead singer of Frozen Embryos, she becomes incredibly manic. Yeah. And for she a very has long time. Not to diagnose her, you know medically but she does have manic episodes throughout the run of the show like there are definitely times when she becomes sort of hyper focused and obsessed and and a little bit over the top in Mm -hmm. her enthusiasm and whatever one of them led to the 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 party where she where the whole thing happened exactly that was also a manic episode totally a manic episode so yeah she's definitely having one now about this band thing and refusing to see that it might be a bad idea or not even that it might be a bad idea, but just that other people might not be as into it (laughs) as she is. Um, And this is also interestingly when we see the like hyper worry of Ricky. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really like a very interesting part of this episode. Yeah. I, I, my notes actually say, so one, Jordan's appalled by this idea Two, Ricky's trying to manage Rayanne's expectations again. And Rayanne is just trying to find some shred of self-esteem to cling to and failing, Yeah, you know, like the thing where she's kind of singing Sesame street in the bathroom and Sharon overhears her and it's like, yeah, you got a decent voice. Um, that's one of those weird migration moments from facade Rayanne to wait, holy shit, are you serious? <laughs> you think I could actually sing in front of people? Like, because, you know, as much as she projects this, I can totally do this bravado, she obviously does not actually think she can. Yeah. You know? Totally. Which is also heartbreaking. So let's take a break from the heartbreak for a moment and just pause on the fact that Danielle has a boyfriend. Well, not a boyfriend. They're keeping it loose. But some boy named Ryan is calling her oh my God. from school. I love Danielle so much. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to think Danielle's entire romantic life is completely different from Angela's. Like by the time that she's 15, she's kissed 17 guys. She's had like relationships in various shades and forms, like right up till then. Oh, totally. You know, she's not in this pronounced latency that Angela and Brian are in as Brian's parents would put it. (laughs) Yeah, no, Danielle's clearly got it together way more. And I, and I love the moment in this episode where, 
uh, Patty is complaining about not having met Jordan Catalano mm-hmm. and uh, this is happening like and Danielle's getting this phone call from Ryan and all of this is going on and Patty's still kind of obsessing over Angela's problems and then at a certain point she's like wait a minute who's this Ryan <laughs> and Danielle's just like I'm late for school it's like you know what you've had your chance to exactly. pay attention to me yeah I have been literally doing handstands yeah. to get you to pay attention to me and you have not bothered to and now it's too late yeah yeah <laughs> nothing would have made Danielle happier for the last 13 episodes than for someone to say who's ryan and now it's like i gotta go <laughs> yeah fuck you totally <laughs> <laughs> Missed so, <your> chance. <laughs> so the frozen embryos are at their rehearsal and rayanne shows up and the first thing that's hilarious about this is that first of all the guys that they cast as the other band members are hysterical poor actors uh very stereotypical just very funny to watch but also here's poor jordan who is an idiot who is who is basically trying to be the papa bear of this group of Other fighting idiots. <laughs> idiots, which is a really interesting, you know, we have never seen Jordan in a mode where he actually needed to organize anything, let alone anyone. Um, so you can see that they're, you know, not going to work out. Jordan actually goes and calls Angela on the phone, which I thought was just so hilariously old school. That just took me straight back to that idea that you could just be you know, doing something on a Wednesday night and the phone might ring and it might be someone calling you out of the blue and how weird that is. You know, do you remember that sensation where you didn't have call display and you hadn't set up that this person was going to call you? So someone just had your number and they might call you. Yeah, that happened to me in high school all the time. Yeah. I cannot remember the last time that that happened to me. It can't happen now, right? Like even leaving aside the fact that we don't, generally call people unless we've texted them to say hey i gotta call you or something like that even that you know who they are when they call you you get their face light up on your phone and yeah it's never going to be a surprise yeah no one's ever calling you from a payphone yeah or something yeah exactly (laughs) so patty listens in on the phone call which we almost get into kind of shakespearean levels of misunderstanding of people kind of getting portions of conversations and not having the whole context so patty listens in and the kind of the outcome of that is that she thinks that rayanne is out drinking and then we have one of the all-time great patty and graham scenes which takes place in the middle of the night while graham has already fallen asleep as patty is continuing to obsess about whether or not she should call amber to pass on this information which i've got to stop the let's stop the show for a second right here the clear message between graham and patty is you just never ever do that you don't call somebody's parents and say, there's somebody. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Why the fuck not? I, I will say my parents for sure would have called. <laughs> Good. And in fact, in, in any context where they thought I was in trouble and other kids might be involved in whatever the trouble was, they always did call Good. the other kids' parents and were just like, hey, heads up, this might be happening to our children. Right. Like... So leaving aside the fact that, you know, as the community of people around Rayanne, who are the her only hope of dealing with her addiction issues, the, I would say that everybody there certainly has a responsibility to at least raise concerns. Mm-hmm. Even leaving that aside, where does this like nth level taboo that Graham and Patty discuss in this scene, where does that come from? This idea that you just can't call the parents of one of your children's friends and say look something's going on here yeah 
like, of course you can call them. That is your responsibility, in fact. Yeah. To make sure that the other kids around you are okay. Yeah. And that if you see something happening that you think is bad, yeah. that you alert their guardians. Like, that yeah. is, in fact, your job. Yeah. Like, if... Of if, course you call them. And Graham is right. No one likes to hear that they're a bad parent. No one likes to be told that they're doing a poor job of raising their kid. But that is not the same thing as phoning someone and saying, like, hey, I think... You there's know, a legitimate there's problem. There's a legitimate... Yeah. Like concern, like you're, you know, I think our kids are yeah. drinking or whatever. Like, yeah. Like if, if are... Patty's driving down Main Street and she sees Rayanne walking along twirling a gun, yeah, is she supposed to just be like, well, no, Amber's probably got this. Yeah. I like, don't want to, I don't want to upset her. Yeah. And I mean, again, <laughs> I, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that I'm sure there is class bias at play when, you know, the perfect white middle-class family is like, oh, we better help out the underprivileged kids. But at the same time, like. Rayanne is dealing with an actual problem, like an actual substance abuse problem that Patty is directly implicated in. They are in the same caress, as we will acknowledge verbally later. Indeed. But, you know, like, that's this matters. It's not it's not insignificant. Yeah, and and Patty is the only one who sees it for what it is. Uh, Rayanne's friends, like, Angela sees it, but it's making her pull away yeah. from Rayanne, which is not helpful, and she's not doing her friend duty of actually being there for ran ricky sees it and he is trying to like muffle ran in as many soft cottony pillows as he can to keep her from getting hurt right but he's not actually helping really either because that's not what she needs like she doesn't need for everyone to clap the exact appropriate amount mm-hmm. at her performance you know what i mean like she needs an intervention of sorts or she needs someone to really truly be there for her to see that she doesn't fall off the wagon um, but he's just kind of trying to insulate her and protect her from the realities of the world. Yeah. Um, and Angela is kind of ignoring her in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. Patty's the only one who's like, Hey, should we say something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone should say something. Everyone should say something. Like really, you guys all should have had some kind of a meeting. After like, hey, Rayanne was in the Rayanne hospital, and yeah, sure she's okay. Yeah, yeah exactly. and maybe not like I mean I know it's this show's modus operandi in general as we've discussed many times, but maybe everyone could just not assume that Rayanne is telling the truth all the time. You know, like we've ex- we've established that every character on this program is lying constantly. You know, like you, you know? could take a few things at not face value. Um, a couple of great lines in the bedroom scene. Best one being poison dart, um, <laughs> and then. Uh, Patty just wants to have sex and Graham kind of doesn't and Patty doesn't care. <laughs> so she has to have sex with him anyway. Adorable. And I got to imagine that's exactly how Graham likes it. <laughs> totally. I think if, if I was, if I was on to something a couple episodes ago where I suggested that uh, Graham is actually a big sub, then yeah, his wife being like, sorry, get it up. We're doing this must be kind of his, his favorite thing in the world. <laughs> So Patty calls Amber anyway, and it's awful. Rayanne sleeps her way into the band, goes to rehearsal, which no rehearsing happens, and that is also awful. <laughs> um, she's, you know, she seems to be excited, seems to be like, this is all going to be good. There, here's the weirdest thing that happens in the episode. Remember, like, yeah, I guess it was last episode. It was in pressure. Angela did not want to go out with Jordan and kind of tried to get her dad to give her an excuse to not go. Yep. And we were like, what the fuck, Angela? Just say that you need help. Or Graham, intuit that your daughter needs help. Um, here, 
Angela totally either learned her lesson or just is having some sort of a aneurysm because she comes in and she's like, I'm supposed to go to this thing. I really don't want to go to this thing. And then she just lays out her whole emotional uh, spectrum to Patty and Graham on a whim, which blows both of their minds and and almost gives Patty a heart attack, (laughs) which is really funny. Really (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So like you said, Ricky's managing at the club trying to manage how the crowd will react he's invited brian for example he's invited everyone he's invited he's everyone beside himself with worry yep. yep he just wants Rayanne to be okay but he wants her to be okay by puppet mastering the world yep as he will <laughs> in order to make sure that everything goes the way that you know she needs it to yep um but of course what he can't control is Rayanne herself who yep is the one who messes up the performance because she can't yeah, actually and I, handle it. And I've, but I've got to give Rand some credit here. Like the idea to join Frozen Embryos maybe was dumb. And the way she got in by not auditioning but sleeping with the drummer, also dumb. But it's actually not her fault that they, as a band, were not able to get a rehearsal together prior to this show. Right? Like the first True. time she sings with this band, or tries to, is at this event. So it's ballsy as shit that she went up there. Yeah. But it's all, it's equally on the rest of the embryos that they even attempted to do anything this stupid. You know, so yeah, it's awful. It goes terribly for it everyone. It goes terribly wrong. When she walks off the stage, Jordan steps in and starts singing the song himself, which you think, like, why didn't, why wasn't he just the singer? Yeah. Why wasn't that his when, idea? When Tino left the yeah. band, why wasn't he just like, fine, I'll do it? Yeah, exactly. And I have to assume this is the origin story for 30 Seconds to Mars. I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. Clearly, this is where he caught the bug. Yeah, this is where he caught the bug, exactly. Yeah, and and then, then three years later, and, formed and, this and, band. Yeah, exactly. Was it? Th- yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Approximately. Yeah, yeah, yeah good call. Um, and then, so do you remember in Other People's Mothers when... Angela called home in the middle of the party because Brianne was ODing and Patty has this weird mental mind walk moment where she sees the phone ringing and she doesn't even need to know, like it's the middle of the party, she doesn't even know what's going on. She's like walks over the phone, grabs it and is like, Angela, where are you? Like she just knows exactly what's going on. Same fucking thing happens again, right? Ricky calls Angela freaking out and she doesn't have to hear a word of it patty just fucking storms over (laughs) grabs the phone ricky what's going on like i'm like i don't know what it is about crises in in uh rayanne's life that just works uh patty's telepathic muscle but But she's got it yeah Yeah, she's definitely got it so she goes over to amber's house to find out what the fuck's going on and it turns out ran was there and amber has some harsh words for patty which you know, are earned, but also kind of not earned. Because yes, in this case, she was right. Like she knew her own daughter. She knew what was going to happen. And she gave her the support that she needed in that moment. But I just like, I'm like, it really seems very random that Rayanne just went straight home after blowing the gig. Yeah, the the, the harsh words are semi-deserved because Patty is, Patty's preconceptions of what is happening to Rayanne and her kind of attitude going into this conversation are definitely judgmental. She definitely judges Amber and thinks Amber is a bad mother. And in this case, Rayanne's actually at home. She's safe. She's been fine. Everything's okay. But 
that I think that is only because she happened to choose to go home. As you say, it's sort mm-hmm. of random that she went home. Had she chosen to do any other thing, she actually probably would be missing. Yeah. Um, because Amber wouldn't have had the foresight to realize that this gig with the band was actually a big stressful deal and might be a, you know, a breaking point for her yeah. recently sober daughter and all of these other things. Yeah. Like she it's knows that Rayanne is nervous about it, but mm-hmm. she doesn't seem to take it one step further to realize what that actually means given the full context of what's happening to Rayanne. Yeah. I guess what it comes down to is that no one in this episode with the exception of Patty is actually taking Rayanne's sobriety seriously. Yeah. Like on the idea that this is actually hard work and it will be hard work for a long time. Yeah. And and it's a big deal. And it's a big deal. And, <laughs> and it will really, require a lot of yeah, help. support. Yeah. And I mean, like Ricky kind of realizes it, but Ricky doesn't, he's not equipped yeah. to help fully either. And Ricky is his own wounded bird. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. Like he doesn't, he can't actually be her full support system. He needs a lot of support himself. Yeah. Um, so he wants to make everything okay and he's worried about her and he knows that it's a big deal, but he's not yeah. able to actually provide what she needs. And the kind of network element of support that she needs is just not there. Like yeah. no, no one's talking to each other. Mm-hmm. No one's working together. They're not really realizing what's happening with her or not taking it seriously. Yeah. It, it almost feels to me, and there's nothing in the episode that directly says this, but I'm, I'm thinking about it now. It almost feels to me like they all sort of just don't expect it to last yeah like maybe they'll be like maybe at best they're like well she's underage drinker anyway you know so she'll knock it off until it's legal and then she'll start again you know it's like no one's taking the idea that she actually is an addict seriously yeah it's almost like it's not even that they're not taking the sobriety seriously it's that they didn't take the drinking seriously enough yeah like that they didn't really think about her as a an addict with a serious problem mm-hmm. almost like the ODing was like this accident yeah that was not the result of a real serious issue because if you think about it as a real serious issue then the sobriety is automatically a big deal and a difficult thing but if mm-hmm. you think of it as like oh she drinks sometimes and now she's trying not to drink yeah it's like it's not a big deal but it's you know what I mean like yeah, if you don't I'm- take the alcoholism or the drug addiction seriously as a real thing that someone has to battle that is not easy to get over then you know you can kind of be like oh yeah you know my friend who used to party too hard like is not partying right now right yeah so we patty volunteers to drive ray into school and we do get a nice button on that which is that she tells her that they're in the same caress and then uh she gets her thank you and she does get her thank you which I'm not up for uh, Patty wanting the thank you. I think that's gross. But I do think it's very nice that for one half second, Rayanne is actually real enough and humble enough to be like, what you did mattered, you know, and literally nobody else <laughs> is is working on that that level right now. So I appreciate yeah. it, you know. So that's that's a nice moment. And then, you know, Rayanne and Angela and Ricky all make up. I do like the fact that that, you know, Ricky's, really not having it at first like pushes her away and and she's like oh that hurts and i'm like not not didn't hurt enough you know mm. like this, yeah. is, this is ricky's life is dealing with this shit um it's a it's worth pointing out that 
it's not a Rayanne voiceover episode, but it's also an episode with not a lot of real voiceover in it at all. Like I think Angela has two voiceover lines. Yeah, and maybe? when when they actually, uh, I, I can't remember exactly when they come in the episode, but I remember it feeling kind of jarring because it was like, oh yeah, voiceover. Yeah, voiceover. Like, That's we what haven't this, had that show this does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And then we have the the epilogue where they're going to a movie or something, and I don't know. She just starts singing. She starts singing Sesame Street the way she was singing it in the. Uh, in the bathroom when Sharon heard her, so obviously, you know, quite the performance. Um, it's worth pointing out that, you know, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Like, this <laughs> this character's being lost is being reinforced on multiple levels. She really doesn't know really what to do, where to go, and that's, I guess, demonstrated by the, the final moment where in this moment of just being happy either by habit or because she's just fed up with dealing with it, she just grabs some dude's bottle of beer and drinks it. Yeah. <laughs> In dramatic slow motion. In very dramatic step-printed video slow motion, which does not look good. <laughs> but... But it has the emotional impact. It does have the emotional <laughs> impact. And and it, like you said, it's a very sad episode because that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. Like she barely survives this humiliating experience... Uh, at the on the at the show, and doesn't start drinking again. But then, like two days later, just does anyway. Yeah, because that's how weak her entire support process and process of getting over that problem had actually been. Yeah, like it was actually a miracle that she made it to thirty three days yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's so sad. What movie are they in line for? I don't recall. Is it? Do you see what movie they're in line for? I I don't even know if I knew it was a movie for sure. I thought maybe it might have been a show of some kind, but I meant to rewatch just that last couple of minutes because they're. I I feel like they said something about what they were in line for, and I and I feel like it was something like a classic film or something that like, was it. Bicycle Thieves again? Because these kids are really into the Deceka. <laughs> <laughs> I just. Uh, I, yeah, I wish I, I had rewatched that just that bit because I caught something while I was watching it. I was making a note about something else and then the moment passed me by and then later I was like, wait, is this like an adorable reality in which like a hundred people line up to watch like a classic like <laughs> Rebel Without a Cause or something? Yeah. Like is that yep. the cute mm -hmm. reality of their lives? Yeah. <laughs> sure, I hope so. <laughs> sure, yeah, and that, you know, maybe it is. In this world, the next generation is deeply into classic film. And bless them. Bless them for that. Indeed. Yeah. All right. So shall we flip over to our journals for the 8th of December, 1994? Man, it's getting late in the year. I That's know. crazy. Do you want to go first or shall I? Sure. Got, Mine I... is uh, pretty short. Okay. Wait, so is that a sure I'm going first or are you sure you're going uh, first? You go first. All right. Mine's first. long. Ooh. So get ready. This is might, might actually be the longest one I've read out here. Oh, wow. And I don't know if I know entirely what was going on here but i can probably help it okay twelve eight ninety four. wrote my biology exam which was funny and was then confronted by amelia honesty was the word of the day and although she kept sighing over the loss of our friendship and promising that she would not still be there if this thing continued i knew she would martyr herself over me and i made it abundantly clear that right now i'm standing with all of my bridges blown and unsure if we should go back I vocalized quite well, and it was nice to piece it together, even if it was on the fly. The truth is that 
I've made some people very angry with me. And the less pleasant truth is that those people, those are people that I may not go back for. Right now, I'm still rebuilding after so much ignoring, lashing out, and usury. But contrary to the dogma I formed for myself in my depression, I don't have no friends. I just have fewer coming out of Fate of Dietrich than I did coming in. It's not like I wouldn't have lost the others anyway. The movie just catalyzed the reaction. What I've gleaned from this experience is a better analysis of what's happened in terms of the people that hate me and further proof that the flow is indeed returning. I have a code to rebuild, beginning with dealing with my previous actions, and in a neat little coda, Amelia asked me if I'd meant it when I told her that I'd loved her when she'd been lying on that hospital bed, and I said that I'd done it because she'd needed it. Uh, there are no more lies. The future lies before us. My so-called life has been canceled by yet another example of network stupidity. I'm going to fry him. Talk to the chief. I don't know what I want. I just know I want to spend time with her until I do. And the Lion King has clocked Home Alone to become the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. Okay, so yeah, there's a lot. Many, there. many, many things, things to there. Unpack. Yeah, let's start with the three. The the three at the end because they're just the easiest. Um, so, so my, this was the day that they announced that my so-called life was being canceled. That is really sad. Very impressive. And impressive that you noted it in your diary. Indeed. Well, um, I also started a letter writing campaign at my high school, so indeed, it meant a lot to me. I <laughs> wanted this show to keep going and many people did. Yeah. Uh, and also I guess you see the beginnings of my other podcast, Mamo, the show about movies and popular culture, uh, in my interest in box office. I was about to say, Weird. you've been interested in box, box office, office for a long time. Since, I think since your teenage years. Wow. More accurately, I was interested in The Lion King, and I was at that age, I you know was one of those people who thinks that you know box office success means the movie's good, means that I'm right, this is a good movie, people like this, you know, thumbs up. Which, that's not incorrect, but it's a bit of that team sports mentality that I've kind of tried to get away from in the years, uh, in the years since. Fair enough. Lion King is good, though. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah, great movie. And watching The Jungle Book this year, I was like, yeah, if they just remade The Lion King as a, quote, live action CGI movie, I'd be like, fucking, I'd be there opening day for that. That I would love to see. I'm so looking forward to Beauty and the Beast next year with uh, Hermione as Beauty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's going to be really wait. fun. And I think Ewan McGregor is playing Lumiere. I think that's brilliant. Um, but yeah. The, the, Ooh, that is good casting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but the, obviously the big thing here is about me and my uh, twin sister, Amelia. I call her my twin sister because we were born on the same day. Um, and if I'm, unless I'm mistaken, what we're dealing with here is that at some point she developed feelings for me and I was a real dick about it. Now I would have said that that point was maybe a year and a half prior to this. So... I don't know. Maybe this is, I don't know if I know exactly what event this is all in reference to or what led up to this dramatic confrontation between Amelia and myself about my behavior. I don't really get what a lot of the references specifically are to. Um, I will say that I did go with her to the emergency room at some point that pre, I think it was in the, that previous summer. Um, I can't remember what was wrong uh, with her, like specifically, like there was some abdominal uh, crisis. Um, but yeah, it's a really long, weird and pedantically verbose. I love entry. your teenage voice. It's so adorable. It's ridiculous. <laughs> well, what, one of the things that reading this, I really like, and I mean, I, I'm still guilty of this, but I guess in this particular case, I'm guilty of it more, uh, a lot of near 
malapropisms here, like using words that I didn't entirely know how to use correctly in context, but I wanted to use. So I use them here. Like my use of the word dogma, dogma comes up a lot in my journals that we've read on this show. And at no time I think am I using the word dogma correctly. <laughs> like it's close, but it's not exactly. It's not <laughs> like my use of the word usury. Yeah. Like that's close. Like but I can see why I made why. the connection, yeah. but that's not actually, you don't use that to talk about people using you emotionally or manipulating you or anything. Like it's really, it's more about money. Yeah. You know, it's like, more of a specific. Yeah. It's a very specific concept. <laughs> and I, I do that. I do that an awful lot, you know, it's and cute. as usual, I, I think we've discussed this in the past. So self-righteous, so self-important, so angsty, so dramatic. Oh my so God. Dramatic. What a big deal. I do to this day. You burned all the bridges. I of burned your all life. these bridges, and then I was like, I, you know what? I honestly, I haven't decided if I'm going back for all those people. Maybe some <laughs> they of those, may not deserve. That's me. right. Some of those relationships I've uh, just going to allow to expire. <laughs> yeah, it's and I again, I don't know specifically. I I do remember that making Fate of Dietrich, which, as my so-called listeners may recall, is the movie that I project that I was working on that fall. Mm-hmm. I did as I often did in that particular era of my life, act like a tyrannical dick occasionally to people both on and off that project because, I mean, kind of an unholy mixture of I was just that stressed out, Brian Krakow style, when he was freaking out about his exams last week, and also thinking that that's how filmmakers are supposed to behave. Right. That's I how was, you be an artist. Well, I was really into Jim Cameron in 94. Like, Jim Cameron <laughs> was my guy, you know? So I'd read all of the shit about what a fucking dick that guy. I think I, maybe I'd already seen the, the... If you've never seen the documentary about the making of The Abyss, where... I have not, but I would love to because I love The Abyss. It, and I love The Abyss, too. And it's it's great. It's called Under Pressure. It's basically about what it's like to shoot a movie in a flooded nuclear reactor because that's what they did. Holy shit. And like, there's this point where like Ed Harris is just like, yeah, I, I, you know, we were under there for whatever, 12 hours, like normal. It was like maybe our 15th day. And I was just driving home and I just burst into tears. And that's Ed Harris, <laughs> right? Like, wow. I don't think of him as a tearful man, you know, <laughs> as a guy who lets the pressure gets to him. And I'm like, wow, James Cameron made Ed Harris cry. <laughs> Um, anyway, so, you know, I'm sure I was an enormous cock. Uh, well, I just was like, I was just, I was a fucking dick. A lot of, I was self-righteous. I was extremely insecure, obviously very protective of my sense of self and identity, especially as those things were blooming up. And this actually remains true to this day. I react very badly when I sense that people don't. It, saying that they don't get me isn't quite the right word, but it's like I don't. If people try to put a certain emotional character on me or something, I find it really frustrating. So I, I have in my life found people. I mean, when I was a teenager, I would find people having crushes on me who I, I did not have crushes on back. I would find that frustrating being like, don't you get that we're not a thing, you know? <laughs> Like, don't you understand why this isn't a thing? I don't feel anything here. Like, don't you understand that? Such a weird mental state. I'm still trying to sort out where that comes from. That's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's my journal. What do you got? 
I've got a, a short one. My parents were mad at me for coming home late and grounded, grounded me. So maybe no Marche. I said I was at assembly rehearsal. Rupa, Amber, and I are going to be in the assembly bracket Christmas assembly. Anyway, what I actually did was go for a smoke with Kay. He told me that Rupa keeps telling me not to um, invite... Rupa keeps telling him not to keep inviting me out for coffee because she's afraid I'm going to blow my friends off for him. Anyway, later tonight, my mom changed her mind so I can go out after all uh, to Marche. Rupa will be sleeping over. Cool. Does everyone who's listening know what Marche is? <laughs> I too loved Marche in my teenage years. I feel like it's a teenage mecca. <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. So Marche is like a, it's a restaurant. But it's like a weird market-style restaurant where you basically walk around to various food stands and get stuff. Yeah, and you have like a stamp card, essentially. Yeah, exactly. That you like, you know, there's like the pasta station and the salad station yeah. and the steak station or whatever. Yeah. And you get whatever you want and get your card stamped and then you pay on the way out for yeah. whatever. Which, by the way, if you're an idiot teenager, is dangerous as shit. Because I'm pretty sure the first time I went to Marche with my friends, I walked out, gave my stamp card to the person I was like... Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, all you can eat buffets are vastly preferable to oh, yeah. stamp your way through ritzy downtown Toronto food. I remember once sitting at, because we went several times, my friends and I, to Marche. And it was kind of a big deal because Marche is all the way down at like front and yeah. and young or whatever. I work like a block from there now. <laughs> and now you can go all the time. Anytime I want. And I just don't. Weird. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Um, but I lived in North York, so it was like, you know, coming from basically all, nearly the top of the subway line, like up at Shepherd Station, yeah. all the way downtown. Like it was a it's kind a of big a deal. big deal that yeah. we got to go by ourselves to, you know. I, anyway, I <laughs> remember once sitting at Marche with some friends and talking about like how much we would have to consume on one person's card in order to make it worth losing, like, quote-unquote, losing the card. Right, because they had a fee. An, you couldn't leave without a card. Exactly. They, they, they would, would then charge, charge you whatever you. their minimum basic fee is. For yeah. You know, if you lose the card, you have to pay them 200 bucks or something. And it's, like, more than you would spend on a dinner, Yeah, which makes it preferable then to not accidentally lose your card or whatever. Right. Uh, but I remember at the time, like doing a tally, being like, "How many like bottles of champagne could we dr like yeah. theoretically drink? Because we're all underage and we're we can't order wine anyway. Yeah. But like, what would we have to eat mm -hmm. <laughs> in order to like make it worth flushing one of these down the toilet? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> we of course never did that. I'm sure we had <laughs> we the same question. <laughs> paid for our food, but yep. uh, I'm pretty sure me and my friends, including I should say Amelia, who was mentioned in this journey journal, and all my other friends, I'm pretty sure we went to Marche like for prom. Like the night of prom, I think we wow. went to Marche. That's how big of a, that's how central Yeah, Marche was a was. really big thing. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that my next entry, which I will be reading for the Christmas uh, episode, is actually like a cool. uh, recounting of what we did at Marche. I love <laughs> so it. So there will be follow-up. <laughs> I hope that I have the same thing in mind. That would be great. Um, did I tell you, by the way, that I started handwriting my journal again? Did I mention that? You did. You I did, did? At the, in the last episode. Okay, so it has been brought up. Yeah, this is entirely... How's it going? It's making my hand hurt less than it was when I started. When I started, I think I got through half a page before I was like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. It's funny how fast you cramp up when you're yeah. not used to handwriting. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah, I started um, last year, I got one of those day planners that's like, 
the days of the week on one side of the page and then the other side is just a notebook page. Yeah. And I started as a way of getting back into the habit of keeping a journal at the end of each week, I would jot down a page's worth of whatever about the week that had just passed. So it was relatively simple. It's like, it's just one page. It's just once a week. Mm -hmm. I can keep this up. Like I'm not going to not write in it for two months and then be like, well, I may as well give up journaling right <laughs> which is something that i've done over and over again for many years uh and i managed to keep it up i did it all year and I've, i'm doing it again this year and it's i'm still keeping it up but uh the first couple of weeks were brutal like yeah. my hand hurt for ages and then by the end of the year it was like oh and now i'm back in the habit of occasionally handwriting and not always typing but it's amazing how your hand falls out of the yep, habit <laughs> absolutely um we're the last generation of cursive Right here. Yeah, totally. Your kid Although, is not going to learn cursive. I'm totally going to force my kid to have good handwriting, though. Yeah, well, you should. Yeah. I uh, I, my, I, ha I come from a long line of school teachers on my dad's side of the family. Mm -hmm. Lots of teachers in, in various capacities. Uh, and when I was little, my grandfather, who I think taught, like, math, maybe, mm -hmm. um, taught me how to write uh, numbers neatly. Because he looked at my math homework and was like, "These are these twos are hmm. atrocious." Fantastic. Learn how to write nice twos. No. And I still write nice numbers. Do you loop the uh, the curl or? No, 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 no loop in the two. It's like it's like a little. I'll show you. It's got. Okay. It's like a little. It looks like a little swan or a duck or something. Lovely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, our next episode is, of course, the Christmas episode, so-called Angels, which I, I don't think I ever actually knew this before, like last week, but I just found actually is the episode that does not have any voiceover in it. Oh. Um, so it is that one anomaly. Um, we are going to try to get that recorded in the next week or so so we can get it up for you on schedule because we are both going to be out of town at various times in August. But if that episode is late, we apologize. You can, of course, look for it at modernsuperior.com, where you can leave comments on this episode if you are so inclined. You can follow us on Twitter at most MySoCastLife for all the updates of what we're doing and occasional pictures of Jared Leto doing something stupid, which, because Suicide Squad is coming in in like a week and a half, there's a lot of those right now. So it's like a field. It's ready for the picking. <laughs> I just saw the pictures coming out of Comic-Con of all of the Jared Leto dolls. Oh my god. That they've made for like and they've gone not there's like there's already four Joker dolls from this to company that I follow called Hot Toys. And I'm like that is madness. I could create so many custom Jared I mean Jordan, Jordan Catalano action figures. It's like it, I almost want to. Like I almost don't want to, but I almost want to like make a perfect custom Jordan. I want you to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I know you do, but I, I would only end up melting him in the microwave. That, that's the only reason I would make a custom Jordan is to destroy it. Vent my spleen at last. At fucking Catalano. Finally. Yeah, exactly. He shall feel your wrath. I, he shall. He shall indeed. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Presentation of the Modern Superior Media Network.